Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Welcome to today's episode on behalf of Psoriatic Arthritis Action Month. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far. My guest speaker today is Dr. Evan Siegel, renowned rheumatologist with Arthritis and Rheumatism Associates in Rockville, Maryland, where he specializes in the treatment of psoriatic arthritis and other spondyloarthropathies such as ankylosing spondylitis. Dr. Siegel is also a clinical assistant professor of medicine at Georgetown University School of Medicine and a member of the National Psoriasis Foundation's Medical Board. Dr. Siegel has been involved in the development of treatment guidelines through GRAPA, which is the International Group for Research and Assessment of Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis. He's also part of the United Rheumatology and the American College of Rheumatology. With such a background, Dr. Siegel is the perfect speaker to address changes to the musculoskeletal system and just how deep psoriasis impacts joints and overall health. Well, welcome, Dr. Siegel. Thank you so much for taking time to join Soundbites today. So we know approximately one out of every three people with psoriasis may have psoriatic arthritis, but yet the average time to diagnosis can be four years or even more. Uh, what's the reason for this delay? Isn't it imperative to diagnose psoriatic arthritis as early as possible? Thank you for having me for this podcast. And the answer is yes, it certainly is very important to have psoriatic arthritis diagnosed as early as possible. We know for sure that if there's even as much as a six-month delay in diagnosis from the onset of symptoms, that there can be a greater risk of disability at 20 years after diagnosis and significantly increased risk for erosions and destruction of bone around the joints that have been involved. So early diagnosis is imperative. I think the reason that there's often a delay is that psoriasis generally comes first. And in fact, there is about, in general, a nine to 10 year delay between the onset of psoriasis and the onset of psoriatic arthritis. And during that period of time, patients are generally seeing their dermatologist. And often patients don't realize that their musculoskeletal symptoms are something to raise to the dermatologist. They may not even be seeing a primary care physician or other doctors about their musculoskeletal symptoms, and yet they don't realize that there is a true reason for them to raise the fact they've been having joint pain with their dermatologist, who could then appropriately refer them for initiation of therapy for their psoriatic arthritis. So I think we're really dealing with a problem with awareness that psoriatic arthritis is a major complication of psoriasis. And that is beginning to change with more education in the marketplace from the National Psoriasis Foundation and from other sources. And patients are beginning to realize that this is something that they should talk about. Is it true that risk and prevalence of psoriatic arthritis increase with the duration and severity of psoriasis? In terms of duration, on average, it's about nine to 10 years between when Uh, Patients originally are diagnosed with psoriasis and when they develop psoriatic arthritis, but it can happen at any point in uh, the course of time once someone has developed psoriasis. And occasionally, in about 15% of patients, we can see the arthritis develop before the psoriasis. 
In terms of severity, we know that there really is no correlation between the severity of the psoriasis and the severity of the arthritis that develops. Patients with very severe psoriasis can have very minimal arthritis, and patients with very severe arthritis may have only one or two plaques of psoriasis, maybe a little in their scalp, or even just nail psoriasis, and yet have fairly significant psoriatic arthritis. We do think that the severity of the psoriasis may be associated with an increased risk of developing psoriatic arthritis. So the patients with very extensive coverage of their skin of psoriasis may well have a higher risk of developing psoriatic arthritis at some point during their course of the disease process. Well, given this information, isn't it fair to say that psoriasis should be viewed as much more than a skin disease? Do you agree with that statement? Yes, uh, certainly um, uh, we uh, actually think psoriasis not as purely a skin disease, but as psoriatic disease now, rather than just psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, because the inflammation can affect so many different areas, including the joints, as well as other parts of the body. We really do have to think of this as a systemic illness, uh, not just a skin rash. And that's uh, really important for patients to understand. And it's very important for dermatologists to understand as well in terms of uh, remembering to focus on the entire patient and not just the skin manifestations. So you mentioned psoriatic arthritis is one of the related health conditions associated with psoriasis. Are there other health conditions associated with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis? How great is the risk of developing such conditions? Yes, there are both manifestations of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis as well as multiple comorbidities that we need to be aware of in thinking of this as a systemic uh, disorder. So up to uh, 30% of patients can develop eye inflammation, something you wouldn't really think of as being associated with just purely a skin disease known as uveitis. That's inflammation of the internal aspect of the eye that needs to be treated fairly promptly by an ophthalmologist. We know that there is an increased risk of inflammatory bowel disease as well in patients with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We know that there is an increased risk of liver disease in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which can actually even go on to cirrhosis in some cases in its most severe form. We know for certain now that there is an increased risk of cardiovascular disease associated with the inflammation that is seen in psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. A way of measuring that is the Framingham Heart Risk Score, and we think that you can add a full point to that risk score just because you have psoriasis and maybe even more with psoriatic arthritis. Those studies are ongoing now at the NIH. So yes, there are multiple systemic manifestations that relate to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and that need to be considered in the workup and management of every patient with psoriasis. And it's very important that patients with psoriasis understand this multiplicity of different manifestations that can occur as a part of this disease process. Well, let's talk a little bit about the common musculoskeletal systems or manifestations associated with psoriatic arthritis. What symptoms should raise an alarm to follow up with a provider, and how soon should that follow-up occur? 
Well, there are multiple musculoskeletal symptoms associated uh, with psoriatic arthritis. In fact, we think about six different domains in psoriatic arthritis. This is, of course, the skin and nails are two, so psoriasis and psoriasis involving the nails. And then we think about peripheral arthritis, which is usually an asymmetric type of arthritis involving either a few or many joints, sometimes more symmetric but the asymmetry is what helps us to differentiate it from rheumatoid arthritis. We talk about enthesitis, which is inflammation of the point where tendons attach to bone. This can be manifest as Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, lateral epicondylitis as some of the most common manifestations of enthesitis, but a number of other areas where tendons attach to bone can also be involved. And then we often talk about dactylitis, which is the complete swelling of a finger or a toe into what is commonly called a sausage digit. This is quite painful because it involves inflammation of the joint, the tendon, the tendon insertion site, and even the bone can cause fairly rapid damage. And finally, we talk about spondylitis, which is inflammatory back pain. Inflammatory back pain is a part of the manifestations of psoriatic arthritis and differs from mechanical back pain, which we can talk about a little bit more in a few moments. It is important to follow up fairly rapidly, as I mentioned at the opening of this discussion, for the treatment of psoriatic arthritis because damage can occur quickly with many of these manifestations and a delay in diagnosis is correlated with future disability and future permanent joint damage, which in this day and age can be avoided. You mentioned enthesitis. So for our listeners who may not know what that is, can you please explain what is enthesitis? Certainly. As I just mentioned, enthesitis is inflammation at the point where tendons or ligaments attach to bone, most commonly felt by patients at the Achilles tendon insertion or the plantar fascia or at the lateral epicondyle, commonly known as tennis elbow. While this isn't an arthritis per se, it causes significant musculoskeletal pain, especially with activity and certainly Achilles tendonitis and Plantar fasciitis can interfere with activities in limiting walking and requiring, at least at the very minimum, shoe inserts and other interventions. Often, patients don't realize that enthesitis is a part of psoriatic arthritis, nor that it could be at all related to their underlying psoriasis, and will often see other practitioners like a podiatrist or an orthopedist who may not be familiar with the fact that this is a complication of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. I've even seen people with dactylitis, the complete swelling of a digit that I was mentioning earlier in the foot, so a completely swollen toe that was seen in an emergency room and thought to be infected, and they were about to have the toe removed until fortunately somebody realized that this could be a manifestation of their psoriatic arthritis. So it is very important for patients to understand these other musculoskeletal manifestations, and enthesitis is quite common. Enthesitis may be one of the earliest findings that we see in psoriatic arthritis. We believe that the local trauma to these areas of tendon insertion, if you think about it, the Achilles tendon, the plantar fascia, even the lateral portion of the elbow are constantly being used. Those tendons are constantly being stressed. And in patients prone to psoriatic arthritis, this may bring out inflammation in those areas as one of the earliest forms 
of psoriatic arthritis and really needs to be monitored for closely. And how does psoriatic arthritis affect the spine? What are some key characteristics? So when we were talking about the domains or the different manifestations of psoriatic arthritis, spondylitis or inflammation of the spine is a very important one. It occurs in about 40% of patients who have psoriatic arthritis, probably only about 5% who have no other musculoskeletal manifestations. But it's important to recognize since most people in the population, up to 95%, will have back pain at some point in their lives. But generally, that's mechanical back pain that occurs acutely, suddenly, with some sort of injury, bending to lift up a heavy box, twisting to put a suitcase somewhere, comes on acutely, and is improved with rest. Psoriatic spondylitis and spondylitis in general, inflammatory back pain, generally comes on gradually. It often begins before the age of 40, whereas mechanical back pain can occur at any time. And most importantly, it is worse with rest and better with activity. Almost anybody who's had back pain acutely knows that the first thing you want to do is lie down and rest it. And when you get up and start moving around, it begins to get worse. Exactly the opposite in inflammatory back pain. With inflammatory back pain, it is worse with rest. People wake up with severe morning stiffness. They often have severe back pain at night that can awaken them from sleep. Moving around actually makes things better. They get up, they start walking, they start going through their daily activities, and often within 30 to 60 minutes, sometimes longer, they begin to feel better. But if they sit still for a long period of time, again, they'll have that back stiffness and pain. So that's a key differentiation from mechanical back pain, which is so common and one that patients need to be aware of and do need to talk to their healthcare professionals about if that begins to occur. We see that nail psoriasis seems to be really highly associated with psoriatic arthritis. What's the prevalence of nail involvement and why the association? So probably as many as 85% of patients with psoriatic arthritis will have nail involvement. Only about 40% of patients with just pure psoriasis will have nail involvement. And for a while, we thought this was one of the manifestations of psoriasis that would raise our suspicion of psoriatic arthritis. We now believe that a lot of that has to do with the enthesitis that we talked about, the inflammation of tendons attaching to bone because there are tendons at the end of the fingers and toes that attach right near what we call the nail matrix where the nail is formed. And that inflammation probably affects that nail matrix in a way that causes nail psoriasis, most specifically the pitting that can be seen with nail psoriasis and the onycholysis, the separation of the nail from the nail bed and the hyperkeratosis or the excessive skin accumulation underneath the nail that is so characteristic of psoriatic nail disease. So I think at the very least, patients with psoriasis and significant nail involvement should continue to be somewhat hyper-aware of monitoring for the development of any psoriatic arthritis. As I mentioned earlier, we do think that nail disease is one of the domains of psoriatic arthritis, one of the things that we want to include in our decisions about which type of treatments would be best. And what are the ramifications of uncontrolled arthritis or even not treating to severity of the disease? Unfortunately, uncontrolled arthritis can cause severe damage to the joints. Uh, the arthritis is, by definition, inflammation within the joint. That inflammation recruits both cells and chemical mediators known as cytokines, which can go on to cause significant damage, in fact, even erosion of the bone in the joints. 
in psoriatic arthritis, not only do we see erosion, but we see new bone formation that can occur. That's uh, uh, something that's fairly specific to psoriatic arthritis, that combination of both erosion and new bone formation. The erosions can cause severe dysfunction of a joint in one way. The new bone formation can actually cause fusion of a joint. In its worst case, there is a form of psoriatic arthritis called arthritis mutilans that can actually cause shortening of the digits and complete dysfunction. So we do want to intervene early in psoriatic arthritis to prevent that damage. Once that damage has occurred, there is really no way to turn that around, and that can go on to cause disability. At least with the psoriasis, as difficult as it is in terms of its impact on lifestyle, if we get it under control, it does not leave damage in its wake. The psoriatic arthritis is different. If it's not controlled on time, then it can leave permanent damage that can lead to dysfunction and eventually to disability. So it sounds like it's really important to talk about symptoms with your dermatologist or even your healthcare provider. Would you agree? Yes, I would strongly agree. Again, we have been working through a, a number of organizations, including uh, the National Psoriasis Foundation, to try to bring that awareness to patients that it is appropriate to talk about musculoskeletal symptoms and other health problems with your dermatologist. And on the other side, we've been raising awareness of dermatologists to be sure to ask about musculoskeletal symptoms so that there can be an early referral to a rheumatologist and we can begin to get these symptoms and signs under control with appropriate therapy before damage occurs. And what are some avenues in which raising awareness is being done? Certainly programs like this. There have been a number of programs out in the community and both for physicians and for patients. I must say that the advent of so many medications now for the treatment of psoriatic arthritis, there has been a direct-to-consumer push by uh, some of the uh, pharmaceutical companies, which I've never been a big fan of, but at the very least does raise the awareness of psoriatic arthritis as a manifestation, as a complication of psoriasis and often end with ask your rheumatologist. So that has been pushing uh, some patients uh, to their rheumatologist. I think we need to continue to pursue educational initiatives directly to the public to uh, make sure that they are empowered to talk to their primary care physician, to their dermatologist about these uh, manifestations, and to be aware of some of the other systemic manifestations that we spoke about earlier. So there seems to be some effort and coordination or complementary care between a dermatologist and a rheumatologist. Your clinic, as you know, is a prime example of what is called the PPACMAN, PACMAN model or of care, which stands for Psoriasis and Psoriatic Arthritis Clinic Multicenter Advancement Network, which is a mouthful. Why this type of approach and what are the benefits of coordinated care? All right. So uh, unfortunately, the way medicine has gone today is towards something we call siloed care. That means that each specialist only thinks about what falls within to their own specialty. So a gastroenterologist only thinks about the bowels. A dermatologist only thinks about the skin. A rheumatologist may only think about the joints and so on. So the idea is to coordinate care, which is to the benefit of the patient so that all of these specialties can think together about uh, which medications and which course of treatment is going to be best. So Pac-Man has been pushing the coordinated rheumatology dermatology clinic, and this has happened mostly in academic centers around the country. 
There have been a few private practice settings that have focused on this. Mine is one where both a dermatologist and a rheumatologist will see patients together. In my model, I see a patient for a short period of time. The dermatologist sees a patient for a short period of time, and then we go into the room together and we discuss the differences in how we would treat the patient based on their skin and their joint findings. And that coordination of care often leads to a much better result in terms of choice of medication and with the ability of the patient to interact with both professionals in real time. Now, we really are suggesting that that is perhaps one of the best models, but there are many other models as well, what we call virtual clinics, where at least the dermatologist and the rheumatologist know each other well or have a good working relationship and can interact either in real time or at the end of the clinic day to discuss patients and their care but this coordination so that choice of medication is based both on the skin and joint manifestations and what we like to think of as the most symptomatic domains. You remember I spoke about the domains, the different manifestations of psoriatic arthritis. So we want to make sure that our therapies will be focused on the most symptomatic areas and not with blinders to one area or another but rather through coordinated focus with the patient involved. Well, this sounds like such an ideal model. How can patients find these types of centers? And if they're not available, how can patients ensure coordinated care is occurring between their dermatologist and rheumatologist? We are really putting forth a concerted effort to make sure that more of these develop. It's not easy to find them out in the private practice world so far. Many academic institutions do have such coordinated care programs, but one would have to uh, ask about them. In terms of ensuring at least the most basic coordination of care, I think patients should insist that their dermatologist coordinate with a rheumatologist if they have musculoskeletal manifestations and encourage their rheumatologist to coordinate care with the dermatologist. Even though many of the medicines that we use now will hit both the skin and the joints, There are subtleties in the diagnosis of both parts of the disease process that are really best served by having a specialist in each area look at the patient and interact with the other professionals. This also uh, extends to patients who may have the complication of inflammatory bowel disease or uveitis and coordination of care with a gastroenterologist and ophthalmologist. So I think patients should be empowered to insist that their physicians, in one way or another, communicate with each other. Well, this has been a very informative discussion with key points raised regarding the need to be aware of symptoms and impact of psoriatic arthritis. Do you have any recommendations or comments that you would like to share with our listeners today? I think really my closing comments are just please be aware that psoriasis is not just a skin disorder. Please be aware of the musculoskeletal manifestations that can occur that we've spoken about and be sure that you pursue care for those in a timely fashion and insist that your dermatologist at least pay attention to these issues and make the appropriate referrals when necessary. Well, thank you, Dr. Siegel, again for taking time to be with us today to discuss just how important early diagnosis of psoriatic arthritis is and the need to communicate musculoskeletal symptoms to your healthcare provider. If you have additional questions about psoriatic arthritis, visit our Psoriatic Arthritis Action Month webpage at www.psoriasis.org forward slash PSA hyphen action hyphen month. 
or contact the National Psoriasis Foundation's Patient Navigation Center. During May, which is Psoriatic Arthritis Action Month, the Navigation Center is offering three new quick guides on mobility, physical activity, and stretching. Request your free guide or submit your questions today by calling 1-800-723-9166 or by emailing education at psoriasis.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.